We'll be continuing in the book of Romans. Um, it's Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 26. That's Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 26. Hear the word of the Lord. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to be with you this, this evening as we look at God's word, as we spend time thinking through this really key passage in Romans. Um, the, the whole series has been called The Heart of the Gospel, um, but Josh asked me to entitle this also, this message, The Heart of the Gospel, because this really is uh, the, the key to all of what we have seen in Romans and all of what we will see uh, ongoing into the future. I want you to try this in your workplace. Give everyone with a July birthday a $20 gift voucher, but then tell everyone who is, uh, to tell the five shortest people in your workplace that they can no longer have a tea break. Okay, that's what I want you to try in your workplace. Now, of course, all the July birthday people will be very excited. They will, they will love this. Um, but all the shortest people, well, they'll be very unhappy. Now, why are they going to be unhappy? Well, the July birthday people, well, they didn't choose when they were born. They were just born in July. They didn't do anything. Why did they get a reward would be the question. But then also the five shortest people, they can't do anything about their height, right? They can't suddenly make themselves taller. So they're going to say, that's just not right. That's unfair. So the difficulty in your workplace with a policy like that would be that the rewards and the penalties do not depend on deeds. The determining factor for reward and penalty in that situation would be out of our control. And so people would find fault with the policy and label it unfair. You see, we think... We should get what we deserve. A similar dynamic existed in the Jews in Paul's day, even the ones that were in the church in Rome. They could not get their head around this teaching that seemed unfair to them. They had the law, these Jewish believers, and they mistakenly thought that somehow the law-keeping earned them some kind of righteousness or better standing in God's sight. Instead, Paul tells them in Romans 3.22, the righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all 
who believe. And adding to this perceived unfairness, Gentile Christians, the same, you know, people who came to Christ who were not Jews, were declared righteous by faith in Jesus. And they never tried to keep the law. I mean, they had never come in contact with the law. They had heard about Jesus and embraced Jesus. And that appeared unfair that these non-Jews, these Gentiles, would come to have the righteousness of God by faith alone. And it appeared unfair to the Jewish believers. Now, in most areas of our life, we operate by a merit-based system. You get a paycheck, you get graded, you get assessed, and somehow in all of that, you get some kind of reward out of it. Effort, your effort, earns reward. You get what you deserve. But Romans 3, 21 to 26, teaches quite a contrast to that. God gives the righteousness of Jesus to all who believe by faith in God's promise. It is Jesus' blood that justly and fully pays for our sin. And so the question is tonight, do we get or does God give us what we deserve? Does God give what we deserve? Well, if you look at the first point of our text in verses 21 to 22, Paul here is telling us that we don't get what we deserve. There is, it is a righteousness that doesn't come from the law. You see, the truth is lawbreakers cannot earn righteousness. Sinners make God angry. Romans 1, 18 and following. So from the middle of chapter 1, where we are told that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And that's an all-inclusive statement. Everyone, everyone everywhere, at all times past the fall, everyone is unrighteous. Not just men, he does say mankind. He's not just talking about men, he's talking about humans. All humans make God angry for their sin. We incur the wrath of God. And from for two chapters, from the middle of chapter 1 to the middle of chapter 3, Paul has given us reasons why God is angry at our sin, the sin of all mankind. So the truth is, if we are left in that unrighteous position, if God were to give us what we deserve, then we would only receive the wrath of God, the anger of God against our sin. Now, to help us see why, let's think about the word righteousness. Righteousness is a key phrase in this whole passage. Righteousness is very important to us. And righteousness is defined this way. It is God's own perfection in every attitude, in every attribute, in every behavior, in every word from God. It, in other words, it's like this. God himself 
is the definition of righteousness. Righteousness is not higher than God. God doesn't live up to righteousness. God is the definition of righteousness. Now, growing up, I had a a set of Encyclopedia Britannica. Anyone else have a set of encyclopedias? Have you ever heard of such a thing, right? Uh, A set of Encyclopedia Britannica. We use those to look things up. Now, often when you open the encyclopedia, you looked and there was a picture that went along with the article that was the definition or or whatever was going on. Now, if I looked up the word righteousness in our encyclopedia, if it were possible to have a picture of God, God's picture would be right next to the article of righteousness, the article that defined righteousness, because God himself defines righteousness. And therefore, everything that comes from God, what he says, what he does, is therefore righteous. God spoke his law. God spoke his word. And in those things, it is describing his own character. And it constitutes every standard by which we would measure righteousness. God's righteousness is the standard. Of what it means to be righteous. So if you and I measured up to God's standard of righteousness, if we obeyed all the law, if we kept his word, did everything God commanded us to do, you know, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you, all those really easy things to do, right? If we did all those things, then you are righteous. That would be true. But if you do not obey his word, and we've heard from Romans what, where we stand on that, you are not only a lawbreaker, you are rejecting God himself. You are tearing that picture of God from the encyclopedia. You are ripping out his picture and saying God doesn't matter. He doesn't define righteousness. You're rejecting him. Now, in our house, books are precious. Bad things happen if you tear out pages or tear out pictures from books in our house. That's a bad thing. How much more deadly dangerous it is for us to rip apart God's standard, to rip apart who he is, to say that he doesn't matter, to reject what he has said, to reject his law, to say that it's not important. We are rejecting his righteousness. He is righteous and we are rejecting him. So lawbreakers, you and I, who have broken God's law, who have not obeyed perfectly what God has required. If God were to give you and I what we deserve, then we should receive God's wrath. We have rejected him. Instead, though, Paul tells us that God did not just reveal his wrath like we read in 118 weeks ago. He didn't just reveal his wrath against our ungodliness. He also reveals his righteousness. And look what he says here in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest or revealed Apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness 
to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. God's righteousness is given. You catch that given to lawbreakers, not for our law keeping, not for us really trying hard to do our best. But it's given through faith in Jesus Christ alone. So these verses are really telling us something about Jesus who overcomes our utter rejection of God, our shredding of what God has done. We've ripped apart God's law. We rejected God himself. But God does not give us what we deserve. He gives us righteousness through faith in Jesus. And he doesn't just do it for lawbreakers because we look good or we've been attractive. Obviously, that's not the case. God gives righteousness as a gift. A gift is something we don't earn or deserve. It's a gift. So the truth of verse 23, again, look at your Bible. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The truth of that's been well rehearsed throughout Romans. All of humanity has fallen short of our purpose. What was our purpose? Well, if you know the Shorter Catechism, Westminster Shorter Catechism has a a quick little question-answer kind of thing. And the question is, what is man's chief end or what's the primary purpose of human beings? It's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But we just read verse 23 that says we have fallen short of glorifying God. We've fallen short of our purpose. All humanity has fallen short. And God created us to glorify him, to reflect his righteousness, to acknowledge his weightiness. That's what it means to give glory to God. It's to give him his rightful place, to say he's the one who is worthy. Instead, We've high noted ourselves. We've said we're the ones that are worthy. We're the ones that we will listen to. We're the ones that we will obey. We've set ourselves in God's place. We've ignored God's word. We're created to enjoy God, not to reject him and rip apart his law. So do we deserve a gift? Do we deserve what God gives? And so when we answer that question, obviously, no. It should shock us what verse 24 says in the passage. We are justified by his grace. By his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're thinking rightly, you're saying, okay, so I'm a lawbreaker and God gives me a gift. And it's really nice that he gives me this gift. But how can God who is just, who is righteous, how can God give justification to a lawbreaker? Someone like you and me who have treated God poorly, done the wrong thing against God in rebellion. How can God give us a gift and still be just? Well, over the years that I've lived in WA, I have broken the speed limit. Is anyone here shocked? How many, <laughs> how many of you, no, no, you don't have to raise your hands. How many of you have broken the speed limit, but don't raise your hands. Now, 
A few times that I broke the speed limit, I was caught. Okay? I got a speeding fine. I got demerits. But that was only a few times. You see, I've broken the law more than that. Every time I broke the law, I was a lawbreaker. And only sometimes was I caught at breaking the law. Now, when can the WA government restore me to being justified in the law's sight? When can the WA government put me back in the justified category of not a lawbreaker anymore? Well, I'm restored to a right standing under the law when my speeding fine is paid and my demerits expire, right? When everything goes away, when, when, the, when the fine has been paid, when my punishment has been paid, then I am restored to a right relationship to the WA government. Now, what happens if the police commissioner says, Mark, we're just going to give you a free pass for life. You know, the rest of your life, doesn't matter what you do as far as speeding, we're just going to give you a free pass. Would he be justly enforcing the law? Obviously not. No, it's, 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 it's wonky to have that kind of treatment. You would say, oh, Mark, you've got it in tight with a police commissioner or something. Would you pay him under the table or something like that? You know, it would be unjust for him to say you can get a free pass and do whatever you want when it comes to speeding. The fact is a just enforcement of the law requires payment, not just giving a free pass. God did not just give us a free pass. That pass was paid for. It's called redemption, and Paul mentions it in verse 24. That word redemption that Paul mentions in verse 24 is the price that Jesus paid to give those with faith a right standing under the law. He's not giving us a free pass. It is paid for. It is paid for by Jesus. See, our fine, if you're trusting in Jesus, that gift of righteousness is paid for by Jesus. Our fine is paid. Our demerits are removed. Not just for the times that we were caught in sin, but for every sin that we have ever committed in our entire life. In the past, in the present, in the future, everything was paid for by Jesus. Fully paid for. The gift is ours for free, but it was costly to Jesus. Jesus paid for every unrighteous act of rebellion and wickedness. Even when no one appeared to be looking, even when no one knows those deepest sins in your hearts, the bad thoughts, the fantasies, the things that no one seems to know about, God saw them. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows that you've been bad and I've been bad. Not good. So we should not escape, right? If we have been as bad as we are, 
then we should not escape. We do not deserve redemption. When someone, when someone incurs a debt, you and I are debtors to God. When, when you and I incur a debt, let me just put it this way. When someone incurs a debt, <laughs> they can write a promissory note. Think IOU. You know, if you could say to God, I'm just going to write an IOU. I owe you a debt and yeah, sometime I'll pay it. An IOU, uh, sorry, a promissory note is a, is a written financial document containing a promise that one party is going to pay another party a definite sum of money, either when it's demanded or in some future date. So let's just say we could write an IOU to God. Someday I'll pay you back, God. I'll do the right thing by you and pay you back. Is that possible? You think about it. As lawbreakers, we owe a debt that we cannot pay. God sees every unrighteous, rebellious act that we do. Everything that we have done. It's piled up against us. There's nothing that we have that we own. Everything that we have, God gave to us. Our life, our breath, our abilities, our gifts, our talents, our homes, our everything God gives to us. What could we possibly give to God that he doesn't already own? So we have no ability to pay that IOU. We are guilty in God's courtroom. No ability to pay the fines that we owe. Our promissory note, our ability to pay is worthless. It means nothing. To say to God that I'll pay you back someday, God, by doing good works is rubbish. It can't be done. But again, God does not give us what we deserve. Instead, Jesus comes. And for those who have faith in him, he says, I will pay your debt. I will pay your promissory note. I will cover the debt that you owe. He redeemed us by paying our debt to God. See, the the fact is, so far we've understood that lawbreakers cannot earn righteousness. And God gives righteousness as a gift And the third point is that Jesus willingly paid for our gift. That's what we see at the end of this little section of Romans, verse 25 and 26. See, those of us who have faith in Jesus, we can rejoice. We know that our debt is paid. We've heard this great news. We've received it by faith. We know that Jesus has covered our debt to God, a debt that we could not pay, a debt that we are unable to meet. And it's wonderful to know that our debt is paid, isn't it? It's great to know that. But some in the midst of thinking through these things may wrongly accuse God of being unjust. Again, punishing innocent Jesus 
This is what is said that those that, that somehow God is unjust because he's punishing innocent Jesus instead of those like you and I who are unrighteous. How is it right of God to punish innocent Jesus in our place? Now, to explain how Jesus justly paid for our gift and how he could pay the debts of all those who have faith in him. In other words, that would be a lot of debt, not just my debt, but your debt and not just your debt and my debt, but all the debt of all the people who have ever had faith in Christ from the Old Testament to the new. How could Jesus pay all of that? Jesus can pay all of that. And Paul uses a word here to help us to understand. Paul uses the word propitiation. Paul says in verse 25 that Jesus Christ is the one whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Now, propitiation simply means Turning the, the turning away of God's wrath. In other words, God was angry with us. God was angry with our sin. We read that in 118. God is angry with the sin of all humanity. And Jesus stepped in and was able to turn away God's wrath. But the word, the term propitiation has become a highly charged and often misunderstood word in our day. Some wrongly accuse God of of cosmic child abuse, thinking that the word propitiation means that God the Father struck innocent Jesus instead of all of us who have faith in Jesus. In other words, we deserved it, and instead God strikes Jesus. That's really not the picture that we should embrace. Let me tell you why. Instead, we need to be thinking of the full phrase here in verse 25. Read it again. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. It's that little phrase by his blood, which tells us that Jesus act of propitiation is a sacrifice. In the old Testament, you see many sacrifices Over and over again, you see a lot of sacrifices in the Old Testament. But even before Israel started making sacrifices, God required a sacrifice from Abraham. Abraham, the father of all those who followed him, including Jacob, who became Israel, who became the nation of Israel. Abraham was required to make a sacrifice back in Genesis 15. And that sacrifice rightly pictures propitiation. There, God promises, he makes a promise to Abraham to give him numerous offspring. And Abraham believed God and it was credited to him or given to him righteousness. Now that's next week's sermon, so I'm not going to go there. But then Abraham is told right after he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham is told in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 15 of Genesis. So you can check them later. You don't have to turn them now, turn there now. But he's told to sacrifice several animals, to cut them in half. Now, normally, 
This sacrifice, this kind of sacrifice is done when two parties are making a treaty. Okay, and the idea is that both parties, once they've made the promises that they're going to make, they walk between the animals. And basically they're saying, if we break this treaty, whoever breaks the treaty will end up like these animals. So if you break the treaty, you die. If the other side breaks the treaty, they die. But here's what happened. In that sacrifice... God alone passed through these divided animals. That's in verse 17 and 18, if you want to check later. Genesis 15, 17 and 18. What's going on? Abraham fell asleep and God alone walked through those animals. What's happening? God is saying... That if this covenant is broken, if this treaty is broken, I will pay. If Abraham messes up, if he sins, I've given him righteousness, but I'm going to pay the price. If Abraham's offspring sin, God pays. If you and I who walk in the faith of Abraham sin, God pays. See, the picture here is not of Jesus being punished as cosmic child abuse. The picture is here Jesus, our Savior, standing up and saying, I will pay for your sin. I will pay for the righteousness that is given to you. I will pay. See, God's wrath is put on Jesus because it is what we deserve. But all the sins of Abraham and his offspring and all of those who trust in faith in Jesus. Jesus pays for our sin. Our gift of righteousness was fully paid by our Savior. It is a gift to us. It is costly to Jesus. And it is just of God to do what he's done because it is a gift that has been paid for. Faith in Jesus Christ then calls all of us to humbly depend on what God gives to those who do not deserve it. Now we may not be the shortest workers in our workplace who lost their morning tea But Romans 3.23 has told us the truth. All of us have fallen short of God's righteous standard. God's righteousness is a gift from God to us, but it is justly paid for by Jesus and only received by faith. We cannot earn it. We do not deserve it. See, our true hope is that Jesus is the one who does have full credit with God. He doesn't just have a $20 voucher that he hands out. He has full credit with God. So in addition 
what's happening when we have faith in Jesus is that we are connected to Jesus, the one who has full credit to God. And when we are connected to him by faith, we have full credit with God. We have the righteousness of God as a gift from God himself. Believer, you and I who have faith in Jesus, it means that our performance is not the basis of our righteousness. Now, we've heard that over and over again, but what implication does that have for our life? Is no longer do we need to run in fear from the things that we have done wrong. We don't need to self-justify and hide things away. When we've done things wrong, we can admit it because our righteousness is in Jesus. When we have sinned, we can admit it. God's grace allows us to come to him, confess our sin, and be cleansed of it. God's gift also means that no one else's performance is the means for them to earn righteousness with God. In other words, we don't have to look down on others because they don't meet some standard that we have in our head. Instead, we would come alongside them. For those that do not know the truth of the gospel, we can come alongside them and share the great news that their sin can be dealt with. So we should stop condemning others, instead sharing the great news that performance isn't what matters. It's faith in Jesus that matters. The other thing that really helps us to understand what this believing, what this gift of righteousness is, is that it also satisfies our need for security. Because our security is not in what we do. Our security is in the fact of what God has done. That's what we've seen over and over in this passage. This righteousness is from God. The redemption is from God. The propitiation is from God. It's nothing of us. So we are loved by God and given this righteousness. This father, Our Father's extravagant gift to us, it overwhelms us. It should humble us, not make us arrogant. Look what I have and no one else has. It should humble us that God would give us something we don't deserve. But it should also greatly comfort us in the midst of trials, in the midst of temptations, in the midst of suffering. Our God loves us. He's satisfied his own wrath against us and he is pleased with us in Christ. You see, the thing is, we are blessed like our father Abraham, just overwhelmingly blessed, given immense gifts. But the last thing to remember, too, is, believer, you have a gift that means that you can come to God in prayer at any time. And you don't come in your own goodness. You don't come when you feel like you're spiritual enough. You don't need to come and, and say, oh, God, look at all the great things I have done for you. No. You come in the righteousness of Christ alone. It's one for you. It's given to you. It's done and accomplished. And you can come to him at any time, no matter how you feel. 
See, we only come to God in Christ Jesus. God gives us that righteousness by faith. Our culture says, earn your righteousness. You get what you deserve. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus and you think that it's about your performance before God, that you have to clean up before you come to God, that you have to get right before you come to God, you've got it wrong. It is a gift to be received by faith. You do not need to earn to get your way into God's presence. You just need to trust in Jesus. We do not deserve the merit or the righteousness, but God's gift of love justly deals with our sin and all glory goes to God. This is the heart of the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are indeed so grateful. Your kindness to us, your love to us is wonderful. But I also want to pray for those who don't know you yet. That, Lord, they would stop feeling like they have to perform to be good or to be good enough. Or that they need to clean up before they can come and be one of yours. Lord, help them to hear the message that your word clearly declares that gift, the gift of righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone for all who believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.